0: Twenty-one. Where have you been all afternoon and evening, my mom asked me as we sat down for dinner. My family is very old-fashioned about dinner. We have to sit at the table. No TV. My mom's a writer, so she hates TV unless it's one of her favorite programs. Where have I been? I repeated the question. I'm hanging out, you know, hanging out with Marco. I don't know why you bother to ask, my dad said. His answer is always the same, hanging out. So what did you do at work today, Dad? I asked him. Hung out, he said. He gave me a wink, and we all laughed. I glanced over at Tom. He was eating chicken casserole like the rest of us and laughing. He seemed so normal. You doing anything tonight, Tom? I asked him. Why? I tried to look casual. You know, I was thinking maybe we could shoot some hoops, I said. Maybe you could teach me some new moves and I could take another shot at making the team. Sorry, man he said. I have things to do tonight. Yeah? Like what? I asked. Hanging out, no doubt, my mom said. Eat the broccoli, Jake. It's good for you. It's full of trace minerals and vitamins you can't get anywhere else. Okay, I said to my mom. You know how much I love trace minerals. I popped the smallest piece of broccoli I could find and tried to gag it down. I guess it wasn't any worse than eating a live spider. So, Tom, what was it you said you were doing? I asked him. He gave me a dirty look. Do I have to check in with you now? I have things to do. Is that okay, little brother? A girl, my dad commented. I know these things. I'm a doctor. No, dad. Not a girl, I wanted to say. A yerk pool. What's a yerk pool, mom? Well, it's kind of a long story. I decided to try one more time. I guess a part of me still refused to believe what Tom was. Maybe you're just afraid to shoot hoops with me. Maybe I'd kick your butt. Yeah, that's it. Happy now? Tom sneered. His gaze met mine. Was there some sign in those eyes? Some evidence of the selfish, evil creature that was controlling him? No. I wish there had been, but there is no way to know who is a controller and who isn't. No way. It's what makes them so hard to stop. They can be anyone. Anywhere. Even a person you think you know. A person you admire. Look up to. Love. I broke my gaze away from Tom's and looked down at my food. A few minutes later, Tom got up to go. I knew where he was going. After he left, I went to the upstairs phone, where my parents couldn't overhear me. I called Marco. He's on his way, I said. I called Tobias and Rachel. I tried to call Cassie, but I got her mother instead. She's not in, her mother said. She sounded worried. She wasn't home for dinner. She went out to feed some of the animals and didn't come back. My stomach clenched. She's probably just out riding one of the horses, I said, trying to reassure myself as much as Cassie's mom. You know Cassie. All the horses are in the stalls, she said. I took a couple of deep breaths. Something was wrong. What had happened to Cassie? I'll look around for her, I said. Don't worry. I'll bet she just saw some injured animal or something and went off to rescue it. You know Cassie, I said again. Yes, I'm sure she's fine. Right. She was about as sure as I was. But what could I do? The plan was set to attack the Yorkpool pool and rescue Tom. Maybe Cassie was already at the school waiting. Maybe. I had a very bad feeling as I rode my bike to this school. I hid the bike across the street, the way we planned. Then I hooked up with Marco and Rachel. Cassie's missing, I said. And where's Tobias? Rachel pointed up at the sky. The sun was setting fast, but I could see Tobias circling high overhead. What is the matter with him? I exploded. He's got a two hour time limit and we don't know how long this is going to take. Maybe we should bail until we find out what happened with Cassie, Rachel said. Could be she just scared, Marco said. I am. Maybe, I agreed, although I doubted it. But they say you never know who's going to be brave or cowardly in a battle. I just hoped I wasn't a coward. The truth was, my mouth was already dry and my heart was already pounding, and we hadn't even done anything yet. Tobias swooped down and perched on Rachel's shoulder. It surprised me a little. Why would Tobias perch on Rachel's shoulder? And she didn't seem at all annoyed. She rubbed her head against his a little. Are we doing this or not? Tobias asked. This was not starting off right at all. The bad feeling in my stomach was just getting worse. Cassie missing. Tobias already morphed. Everyone was looking at me, waiting for me to decide. Yeah, we're doing it, I said. The school was locked up for the night. Marco had taken care of that little problem. He knew of a window in the science lab that didn't lock. We crawled into the science lab through the window. It was dark except for the dying light of the sun that glinted off the glass beakers and test tubes. Tobias drifted through and landed neatly on the teacher's desk. Let me take a look, I said. I opened the door as slowly as I could and peeked out through the crack. I could see down the nearly dark hallway to the janitor's closet. Instantly I pulled back in. There are people out there, I said. Three people heading into the closet. Controllers, Rachel said. I guess it's dinner time for Yerks. None of us thought that was very funny. How are we going to get in there? Marco asked. Wait a minute, Rachel said. Do all the controllers know each other by sight? I mean, maybe we're controllers, right? So we just have to walk in like we belong there? Marco asked. Wonderful plan, Rachel. I have a better idea. Let's just kill ourselves now and get it over with. Maybe Rachel's right, I said. Big maybe, Marco pointed out. Big, huge maybe. How about Tom? He would know whether you were a controller. I cracked the door again and looked out. I think Tom's already down there, I said. Besides, the hallway's empty now. I guess they're all... I fell silent. Wait, here comes someone. I stared. It wasn't easy to see faces in the gloom. I could tell there were two people. One was wearing a uniform. It was the controller policeman, and he was rudely yanking someone along with him. I could see that it was a girl. I didn't really want to see any more. Tobias, I said, I need you to use your hawk's eyes. Tobias fluttered over and stood on my shoulder. He peeked his fierce head out into the hall and then drew back. Yes, he said, it's her. I felt like the floor had opened beneath me. Marco grabbed me as I looked like I was about to fall. They have her. I whispered. The controllers! They have Cassie! Chapter 22 Who has Cassie now? Rachel stammered. That policeman. The controller. The one who came out to Cassie's farm. The one who was at the sharing meeting. He has her. He saw her at the meeting trying to get close to the full adults. Rachel let out a few choice words. We hadn't even started and already everything was a disaster. Okay, I said grimly. We go ahead, like Rachel said. We figure there are too many controllers for them to all know each other. I mean, they add new bodies all the time, right? So maybe we're new controllers, right? Oh, man, Marco moaned. You have a better idea? I snapped. No, he said. I think we go ahead. We take our chances. Let's rock and roll. Okay, then. Everyone act cool. I looked at Tobias. Too late for you to morph back now, but try not to let them see you. Rachel, Marco, and I stepped out into the dark hallway. My legs were stiff, my knees rickety. I was walking like Frankenstein, trying to look casual. We headed for the janitor's closet. Fortunately, no one else was in the hallway. We entered the tiny room and stepped inside. I tried to recall the sequence for opening the door. Faucet to the left, then twist the second hook around right. The door swung open. There was more noise there than had been the other day. Or maybe it was just that my human ears heard it better than my lizard ears had. There was a deep, sloshing, swooshing sound, almost like a gentle surf breaking on the shore. But that was the nice sound. The other sounds were horrifying. Despairing cries, terrified screams, shouts, shrieking, triumphant laughter. You sure this is just the Yerk pool? Marco said in a nervous, shaky voice. I see a guy with horns and a pitchfork, and I am out of here. I stepped into the opening. The stairs were steep, and there was no rail, so you felt like you were about to pitch forward with every step. We descended together. The door closed automatically behind us. At first, I guess I expected there to be maybe a couple dozen steps, but the steps never ended. We just kept walking, and there were always more steps. The walls were dirt, then quickly became rock as we went down, down, down. It felt like those stairs would never end. Some superior aliens, Marco whispered. You'd think they could have put in an elevator. We all giggled a little. Very little. Suddenly, the rock walls widened out. We had emerged into a huge cavern. And when I say huge, I mean huge. They could have played the Super Bowl in there and had room left over for a couple of malls. It was like a giant bowl turned upside down, all carved out of solid rock. At the very top of the bowl was the faint outline of a hole. I thought I could see stars through it. All around the outer edges of the cavern, I could see other stairways, like ours. They seemed to come from every direction, appearing out of the rock walls and leading down to the floor of the cavern. We clustered closer to the center of the stairway. It was a sheer drop off the side of the stairs. This is gigantic, Marco said. This isn't just under the school. This is under half the town. Those stairways must lead up a dozen secret entrances. He shook his head. Jake, they have this entire area set up with secret passageways. Oh man, this is worse. This is so much worse. So much bigger. I felt the same despair. We were fools. This wasn't some little group of alien bad guys we were dealing with. To build this underground city, these guys had power we couldn't even imagine. That's almost what it was. A city. There were buildings and sheds all around the rim of the cavern, and we could see yellow caterpillar earth movers and cranes at work on the far side of the cavern. They seemed weirdly normal in this incredible place. And there were creatures everywhere taxons, Horc Bajir, and other things I couldn't even begin to guess at. But mostly, there were humans. A lot of them. At the center of the cavern was a pool, like a small lake, maybe a hundred feet across, and perfectly round. Only, the water wasn't exactly water. It moved like melted lead, and it was about the same color. The sloshing sound we could hear was the liquid of the pool being rippled and splashed by hundreds of fast-moving things below the surface. I knew what they were. Yerks. Yerks in their natural, slug-like state. They were swimming and convorting in the pool, like kids on a hot day. Near the edge of the pool were cages. In the cages were hork and human beings. Some of the humans screamed for help. Some cried silently. Some just sat and waited, all hope lost. There were adults there. And kids. Women and men. More than a hundred, packed ten to a cage. The captive hork were kept in separate, stronger cages. They paced and howled and slashed at the air with their bladed arms. I almost lost hope. I felt like my heart had stopped. This was a place of unimaginable horror. And we were so few and so weak. Below us on the stairs, I could see the controller cop and Cassie, who was dragging her roughly whenever she stumbled. They had reached the bottom of the stairs. I'm going to morph, I said. I'm going to get Cassie away from him. Marco put his hand on my shoulder. Not time yet, dude. Be cool. Cassie's okay, Jake, Tobias said. She isn't hurt, just scared. He'd better not hurt her, I said. Keep an eye on them, Tobias. There were two low steel piers built out over the pool. On one, Horkbegir controllers politely guarded a line of humans and Horkbegir and taxons. This was the unloading station. One by one, the people knelt down, bent over, and dipped their heads toward the slimy surface of the pool. The Horkbegir helped them. As we watched, a woman calmly bent over, her head just inches above the lead-gray pool. A Horkbegir held her elbow gently. To help her keep her balance. Then we saw the thing dribbling, sliding, squirming, crawling out of her ear. A yerk. Oh, no, Rachel moaned. She sounded like she might be sick. Oh, no, no. When the yerk was all the way out of the poor woman's head, it dropped into the pool and disappeared beneath the turbulent surface. Instantly, the woman cried out, You filth! Let me go! Let me go! I am a free woman! You can't keep doing this. I'm not a slave. Let me go. Two grabbed her. They dragged the woman to the nearest cage and threw her in. Help! The woman screamed. Oh, please. Someone help. Help us all. Chapter 23 Help, please. Someone help us. We had been hearing cries like that all the way down those steps, but now we were close enough to give those cries a human face. It cut straight to my soul. There was a second steel pier. That was the loading station. There, the host bodies were dragged from their holding cages to have yerks re-enter their heads. It was a pretty basic process. They grabbed the hosts, whether human or orc bajir, and forced their heads down into the pool. The people sometimes fought and screamed, and sometimes just cried, but they always lost. When their heads were yanked back up out of the pool, we could see the slugs still slithering into their ears. After a few minutes, they would become calm again as the Yerks regained control. Then off they went, once more slaves to the Yerks. It was a horrible assembly line, from the unloading pier to the holding cages to the infestation pier. They moved the poor victims through at a pretty speedy rate. But there was another area we could only now see. There were humans in horgbejir waiting on comfortable chairs, sipping drinks, and actually watching TV. Taxons squirmed around like giant spiny maggots. I heard the faint sound of a television set. I was sure I could hear laughter from the humans. They were watching the show and having a good time. Those are the voluntary hosts, Tobias said. Collaborators. What are you talking about? I demanded. You remember what the Andalite told us. Many humans in Hortbegir are voluntary hosts, Tobias replied. The Yurts persuade them to let them take over. I can't believe that, Rachel said. No person would ever let this happen to them. No one would ever give up control of himself. Some people are scum, Rachel, Marco said. Sorry to burst your balloon. The Yurks convinced them that taking on a Yurk will solve all their problems. I think that's what the sharing is all about. People believe that becoming something different, they can leave behind all their pain. Like spending all their time as a hawk, Marco pointed out. Tobias had nothing to say to that. He spread his wings and flew up and away. Tobias, come back, I called to him. We have to get moving, Rachel said. We've been standing here staring for too long. She looked at Marco. Don't be a jerk to Tobias, okay? We need everyone. Tobias came swooping back toward us. Cassie, he said. She's on the pier. The infestation pier. They're going to turn her into a host. With my normal human eyes, I couldn't see that well into the purple gloom. I could just make out the cop's uniform and the small shape beside him. Do you see Tom? I asked Tobias. In answer, he flapped his powerful wings and gained altitude. I saw him high over the pool, then he came back toward us in a power dive. I see him, he said. I hesitated before asking. I wasn't sure I wanted to know the answer. Is he in the cages, or is he... voluntary? He's in a cage, Tobias said. He's yelling his brains out at the Fort guards. Yes! I knew Tom couldn't have gone voluntarily. I knew they must have taken him, kicking and punching. Cassie is getting near the end of the pier, Tobias warned. We only have a few minutes before they infest her. It was time. We were at the bottom of the steps. We ran over to hide behind a storage shed of some kind. Markle pulled me around the corner, drawing me close so that I could hear him whisper. Look, before we do this, there's one thing, Jake. You have to promise me. I knew what he was going to say. If I have to die, okay. But don't let them take me. Don't let them put one of those things in my head. It'll be okay. You! A voice yelled, a human voice. You two! Who are you? I spun around. A man. Just one man. But beside him, flanking him, was a big cork looking suspicious. And on the other side, a taxon. Somehow, the man hadn't seen Rachel... She was just around the corner of the building, but he had seen Marco and me talking. I guess it hadn't looked quite right to him. Us? Marco asked. Who are we? Hey! Who are you? Take them, the man ordered. The Hork-Bajir advanced on us. The taxon slithered forward on its dozens of spiny, sharp legs, red jelly eyes quivering, mouth opening and closing in anticipation. I knew I had to morph, but I was frozen with fear. Then I saw Rachel. She had gotten around behind the controllers, and she was getting very, very large.